I am back, back here on the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Vizugian. Thank you guys. Welcome back in to the Chief Zone Podcast. As always, thank you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. And if you're a returning listener, well, you know the drill. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you're a new listener to the show, be sure you hit that subscribe button and a new episode will be available for download anytime one is out there. And you guys can also interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Give my page a like and talk to me on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also email me farzine.com. Uh, I'm back from Mexico and I know I said I would do, uh, do I would have done a podcast last week. Uh, unfortunately, because of time and work, I, I did not get a chance to do, do one last week, an episode of the Chiefs, and I did one of the Cage Zone uh, I had to do a preview podcast for UFC 211, so for those who are UFC fans, uh, you guys probably have heard that, but, but if you're interested about the aftermath, I did talk about that on the Cage Zone podcast, the aftermath, so be sure you check it out. Uh, so I did not do a Chiefs Zone podcast last week, but a lot has happened since I last did a podcast, and, uh, well, no, I wouldn't say a lot, but there was a big story in Jamal Charles signing with the Denver Broncos. Some Chiefs fans were angry. Some didn't really care. Uh, it was kind of a mixed bag. And I'll talk about that and I'll tell you guys why we shouldn't really be upset at Jamal Charles. I, I, I think if anything, we should be happy for him and, and just move on from it. Also, one Chiefs player reports came out that over the weekend was robbed at gunpoint. I'll, tell, I'll talk about that and tell you who it was. But... Good news is that player is unharmed, uh, so we'll touch on that in just a moment. And plus, at the end of the show, we will go around the NFL. We'll also go out of bounds, and I'll throw in my penalty flags. Uh, real quick story: as you guys know, I was in Mexico, and I cannot swim. I, I absolutely cannot swim. Uh, and my brother and I, when we were there, we learned how to go scuba diving, which was a lot of fun. Quite an adventure. They had an instructor there. They had a pool specifically designed uh, to learn scuba diving. So the trainer was there. He he taught us how to do it. And then we went out into the ocean. Uh, and, you know, my biggest fear was, you know, what if there are sharks around? Well, what happens? And he actually said that during this time of year, there aren't a lot of sharks that come out near uh, the beaches. So in Florida, completely different story. I've actually seen sharks. In fact, I remember when we were fishing there, uh, another group next to us actually caught a shark. But anyway, I cannot swim at all and then went scuba diving. And that was probably one of the coolest things I had ever done. A funny, scary moment is my brother and I, uh, I was behind my brother the entire time because I'm, I'm a terrible, like I said, I'm a terrible swimmer. So I was a little slow. I was behind the pack. And then all of a sudden I could not find my brother. So I start freaking out. And of course I'm underwater. So I'm trying to remember to breathe with my mouth and not my nose. And because I'm breathing excessively in and out so fast uh there are bubbles coming out and you pretty much your your vision is pretty much gone i can't see anything but i see my instructor telling me to relax funny enough uh he was just above me the entire time while we were underwater there so uh during that uh scary moment i was freaking out that's that's what had happened uh but uh if i had to share one funny crazy moment from uh my uh my vacation in Mexico. We were at Playa del Carmen, and we were there for Cinco de Mayo, which was a lot of fun. Uh, that, that, that was probably the coolest thing. They actually did not have a photographer the first time we went, 
And so when we said, hey, look, because that was part of the payment was to have pictures taken and we could print them or have them on a disc. So they apologized and made up for it by letting us go again the next day with a photographer that time. And uh, we got to do that twice. And they covered it. They said, hey, it's free. The, the pictures are free. All that good stuff. So we got to do that a second time, uh, which uh, which was pretty cool. Our instructor timed it on his uh, on a sports watch and told us that uh, we were there for 30 minutes. I've got to tell you, it felt like an hour. Uh, the 30 minutes I spent, and, and I'm not over-exaggerating when I say this, the 30 minutes that we spent underwater, back-to-back days, total of 60 minutes, of course, uh, that's the most I had ever spent swimming than I have had in my entire life. I'm just not a big swimmer. I'm really not. Uh, of course, as a kid, uh, my parents would take my brother and I to Oceans of Fun, Schlutterbahn, uh, which has always been a lot of fun, but you're not necessarily swimming. I mean, you're just going down slides or you're staying on one of those uh, floaters and they're taking you by the Lazy River or whatever they, they call it there. Um, so I've never been a big swimmer in my life, uh, and that is the most amount of swimming I'd ever done in my entire life. Now, this does lead me, of course, traveling back. I want to talk about this in the penalty flag segment because there are people that just don't have travel etiquette and here's the thing i hate to be that person that complain i get complaints from twitter uh, that people say i ramble or complain too much towards the end of the show which okay sure fair enough uh guilty as charged but man here's the thing that i complain about i complain about people who lack common sense people who just don't think correctly they don't think twice and then they go out and do something stupid or or if they just if they're just not doing society a favor, if they are being inconsiderate, my biggest pet peeves are people who are not considerate, disrespectful. And I've got to tell you, I, I did not. I was going to complain about this a couple of months ago when I came back from Vegas in March. But man, I've got to talk about it now because there are just people who do not know travel etiquette. I'll talk about that later on in the podcast. But the biggest story of the day, Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs rookie quarterback, of course, drafted in the first round by Kansas City, was robbed at gunpoint over the weekend, unharmed, fortunately, no one was hurt, uh, the suspects are in custody, so there is some good news about this, uh, and look, I don't know what the penalty is if you do something like this with a public figure, I mean, listen, if your next door neighbor was held gunpoint, yeah, sure, they're they're going to be charged once they're caught in, in, in custody, but if, God forbid, you know, someone uh, of Tom Brady's caliber or LeBron James, I, I mean, someone with a big name, if you do that to, to a public figure, certainly the charges are going to be a lot higher than if this was your neighbor or whoever, Joe Schmo, essentially. So I don't, Patrick Mahomes, obviously not a LeBron James or a Tom Brady caliber type of person, at least not yet. Uh, but he is an NFL quarterback. He was taken in the first round. He was a big name. He's been talked about quite a lot since he's been drafted, even before he was drafted. So it just turns out that uh, this this person uh, picked the wrong guy. I don't know. Again, I don't know exactly the laws. I'm not going to pretend like I know. But I imagine that if you do something like this to a public fig- figure or a celebrity of some sort, uh, someone very well known, odds are the charges just might be a little higher. This, according to Whitney Mayfield of KLTV, 
uh, I believe that's a TV station in Texas because this is where it happened uh, in uh, Smith Smith County, Texas. Mahomes and three others claimed they had been robbed after getting out of a vehicle in a driveway, and the report states that the group was then approached by a car carrying two men with one said to have gestured as though he had a gun and demanded property to be handed over. The two suspects, one of them 34, one of them 58, uh, after the incident and were able to recover and return the property taken from the vehicle. No one was injured and the investigation is ongoing. But of course, as I mentioned earlier, the two guys uh, under custody. So scary situation. And and look, uh, I think... Where this has been talked about quite a lot. I remember in Orlando there was a there was a shooting where uh, a same sex night, nightclub was targeted, and there was also a YouTube celebrity or an online celebrity of some sort who was shot after her concert. And I think this this got some people because listen, internet celebrities, those YouTube. Uh, I don't know what they call them, those YouTube video guys, bloggers, vloggers, whatever you want to call them. I think a lot of them were kind of under, under shock and said, look, uh, this could happen to us. Because, uh, again, that, that girl, the singer, she was not very well known. It's not like she was Kanye West or uh, of his stature or anything. But uh, those are still people who are well known. They have a strong following on social media. They may not be recognized if you see them down the street or at a grocery store, but uh, some people still know them. Occasionally, they do get recognized. So, I, I, and I think from from my, what I'm trying to get at here is Mahomes. Yeah, he's an NFL player. Uh, he he, of course, has a distinct look, and so he he'll probably be recognized more often, especially if he plays very well throughout his career. So, if that's just one incident, and again, who knows if this was him being targeted or if he was just happened to be a random guy that these two uh, robbers were. were we're just trying to go after him. If that was just a, some random luck there, but nonetheless, it's kind of scary because Mahomes. I think in the back of his mind, and again, I I can't say this I, that I know this for sure. But if I was in his position, I might be thinking, "Gosh, if this is just one incident, what if I continue to do well and I continue to make a lot more money and get more famous?" Because obviously, he's just a rookie right now. He's a backup on a team on an NFL team, and he's Alex Smith's backup for now. So, uh, what happens if he starts playing well? Does do the, the, here's the thing: the chances of him of of this happening obviously go up. But at the same time, do you do you live your life with fear and that you don't go anywhere because this could happen to you? Uh, I, I mean, you look at some of the unfortunate events we we have seen. Uh, some uh, events at airplanes. I mean, you guys have seen it all in the news. It just seems like something's happening now with uh, with all these airlines, either at the plane or at the airport, where there was some sort of fight or or, or, or some unfortunate mishap. I I was on four different flights, two to Mexico and two from. I mean, something could have easily happened there. Maybe I was asked to leave a plane for whatever reason. But that doesn't mean I just hold back and, and say, "Look, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go out there." I could easily have gotten run over by a car walking down the street, but I still still walked across the street. So these are incidents where, yeah, it's unfortunate that it happened to him. But uh, look, I, I mean, odds are this 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 rarely could happen if Patrick Mahomes ends up being a guy like Tom Brady, success wise, where he's 
he, he has a great career, and he's also well-known off the field. He's just a popular guy. Yeah, sure. Of course, a lot of people would want his money and maybe makes him a target to for, for, for people to want to rob. But at the end of the day, generally, you don't hear so much about these guys getting robbed. I know Kelvin Herrera, who, for those who don't know, a relief pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, for those who aren't Royals fans or baseball fans, he was robbed at his home. I believe his, one of his championship rings, I can't remember if it was the ALCS ring or the World Series ring, one of them uh, was taken from his home in Mexico. And, you know, was he specifically targeted because he's Kelvin Herrera? Or is it did it just so happen that whoever was going breaking into his house, it just so happened that he broke into the house of a major league baseball player that won a championship? Uh, you know, again, it, it, I don't want to say it comes with the territory because I don't think uh, it comes with the territory. The only thing, I mean, the only way I'd say that is, look, you're going to get approached by people who want your picture, who want a picture with you, want your autograph. Uh, but by all means, uh, this doesn't happen often. So I hope for for Mahomes, he doesn't get he he doesn't get scared by this because I, I think it's easy for people to say, look. Uh, I had a bad incident that happened to me, a scary incident that happened to me on the road, and I don't know if I would want to experience that ever again. I don't know if I would want to continue this path if odds were to happen again. Listen, I have this big fear of, I don't want to say it's a big fear, but driving, there are just a ton of drivers. I have four four-way stop signs on my way to work and on my way from work going home, and there are tons of people who just don't know how a four-way stop sign could how how a four-way stop sign works. Now I could easily get into a wreck with one of these people, but I still drive that same path. I don't go to alternate road for one. It takes too long, and two, uh, you've just got to live your life the, the way you've got to live it. Yeah, I mean you don't cut corners and try to avoid things just because something bad could happen. Uh, something bad can. There are so many factors as to why. Bad things happen. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes, that was just wrong place, wrong time, of course. That could have maybe been anyone else. The report says that he was coming out of a driveway, so chances are it, it, it could have been anyone else had Mahomes not been there maybe two minutes after the incident occurred. Maybe if there was another car that came right before in that driveway. Who knows? But most importantly, fortunately, no one was hurt, especially Mahomes, who the team, I remember uh, uh, seeing a statement that said that the team is thankful that Mahomes was safe and nothing bad happened to him and he was able to get his property back. So that's the most important part at the end of the day. One big story I do want to get into, Jamal Charles signed with the Denver Broncos. I don't want to get on, on this too much because it is old news. It happened a couple of weeks. It, it happened right after I released uh, the last podcast of the Chief Zone. A lot of Chiefs fans were angry that he went to an AFC West rival. Here's what you've got to keep in mind. If you let go of a player, they have the freedom to sign with any of the 31 teams that want to give him a chance. And unfortunately for Charles and Adrian Peterson kind of seemed to be in the circle that he was not getting a lot of offers. And according to a statement, and I know Chiefs fans were upset with his comments. I'll get to that shortly. It just so happened that one of the few teams that was willing to give him an offer, the Denver Broncos, an AFC West rival. 
I think at the end of the day, you've got to realize that, keep in mind a couple of years ago, a few years ago, Kyle Lorton was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos cut ties with him. They kept Brady Quinn and Tim Tebow. Where did Kyle Lorton land, end up that year? He went to Kansas City. And I think the Denver Broncos had to have known, look, there's a chance that Kyle Orton could go to Kansas City because at the time, Kansas City was hurting. Alex, uh, not Alex Smith, Matt Castle was hurt at the time. The Chiefs, uh, everything was a disaster. Nothing was going right for the Chiefs uh, right after that Castle injury. And the Chiefs had already been very thin because they lost Eric Berry, Moiaki, and Charles that year. And when Kyle Orton goes to Kansas City, he beats the Green Bay Packers on six days' notice of becoming the quarterback. And also, of course, I had coaching change was made uh, on the same day. And sure enough, two weeks later, Kyle Orton goes over to Denver and beats the Denver Broncos. So who's to say that could not be the case with Jamal Charles coming to Kansas City and beating the Chiefs on game day? So uh, I think the the thing that maybe pissed off a lot of Chiefs fans, because me personally, I, I didn't really care. I was happy for him. But the comment that he made, and again, I, I don't think he meant any malice towards Chiefs fans when he said this, but he made a comment saying that he had always wanted to play for the Denver Broncos. And I think that I think people just kind of got shocked by this and thought, did he always want to be a Bronco while he was with the Chiefs? Listen, do I think he even means that? I don't know who Jamal Charles was a fan of. Let's say growing up, I, of course, as a big Kansas City Chiefs fan, if I am an NFL Prospect. If I'm a if I'm a prospect that's getting ready to be drafted, if the Oakland Raiders draft me, I, I of course have to put my fandom aside, and I, I've got to be excited for the fact that the Oakland Raiders are the ones who drafted me, and they want to give me an opportunity to play in the NFL. So yeah, sure, you do have your fandoms growing up as a kid, but if you are a a, a guy who wants to play in the NFL, you your loyalties change in some way. And I don't know how many people out there are employed by an NFL team that they were not a fan of. And when I say employed, I'm talking people from ticket sales, marketing, community relations, the PR department. Uh, I mean, there's so many different employees and departments for, for sports teams. I guarantee you. There is somebody from the Kansas City Chiefs office. As a matter of fact, I actually know of someone whose family member worked for the Raiders first and was a Chiefs fan. And then and now he's out here in Kansas City because he wanted to be closer to home. And of course, the Chiefs are his team, which that's understandable. But I think for a lot of people, it's, it's hey, look, if, if there's a, a job out there for me, I'm going to take it. I think a great example is college. I, I actually know a lot of people who were MU fans or big Nebraska fans and they hated KU. You know, these are people who I went to elementary, middle school, and high school with. And then I ended up running into these people at college at KU. And I thought to myself, I thought these guys were big KU haters and they were big time MU fans. But at the end of the day, well, why would you go to a school that maybe you're not a big fan of? Well, Part of it might be in-state tuition. Of course, that's a big one, especially nowadays with colleges being so expensive and scholarships being so hard to get. Another factor might be what what opportunities are there at that college compared to the college that you are a big fan of. Uh, 
So let's say you are a hardcore KU fan, but you really want to go to a journalism school and you live on the Missouri side. Well, first off, you want to pay for in-state. Second of all, if you're a if you're an aspiring journalist, well, the University of Missouri is certainly a better place. And I'm a listen, I'm a Jayhawk journalist saying this. The University of Missouri is certainly a better place than KU. And again, I know people who are on the Missouri side who are KU fans, but because of in-state, they end up going to Missouri instead of Kansas, and, and that's understandable. You've got to do things that, that are best for you, and I think this is kind of a similar case with Jamal Charles. Uh, of course, he, he learned to love and embrace being a Kansas City Chief, but when they cut ties with him, he was a free agent, obviously. He, he was out there to explore other opportunities, and the Denver Broncos, they ended up being the team that gave Jamal Charles that opportunity. So I don't think we can hate on Jamal Charles for that. Now, again, as far as the comment where he says, I've always wanted to be a Denver Bronco, I honestly think he's just saying that to pump up Broncos fans. Because I guarantee you there are some Broncos fans out there who are pessimistic in saying that, He's done. He's he he's, he doesn't have a lot left in in the tank. That and maybe with a comment like that, maybe he gets some jerseys. I don't know if he's still going to be wearing twenty five or what. Uh, or actually, I just realized Chris Harris is twenty five for the Broncos. So I I think he's going to have to change that number. I know he he was twenty nine briefly with the Chiefs. So maybe he does that to pump himself up. Maybe went over some of the Broncos fans because he knows that in the past he had done a lot of damage against the Broncos, and now he's going to be playing for them. He's going to go from being one of the more hated players by Broncos fans because of what he's done to the Broncos to being a liked football player by the by, by the same fan base. So, uh, again, this is the same thing. When a lot of players sign here in Kansas City, what's the number one thing you hear from those new Chiefs? A lot of them talk about how they're excited to play in front of Arrowhead Stadium because they have heard about the fans. A lot of them have come to Arrowhead and have experienced that loud roar from Chiefs fans, which, of course, Chiefs fans should be very proud of. So when they come to Kansas City, a lot of times you hear these players say, I'm excited to be a Kansas City Chief, and I'm excited to play at Arrowhead. I'm excited to play in front of these fans because a lot of them know what these fans are all about. They're, I mean, they're here to support the team at Arrowhead week in, week out, throughout the eight games in the regular season and possibly a playoff game uh, afterwards. So... Again, I just think Jamal Charles did that as a pump-up tactic to uh, get fans excited for the upcoming season and also try to maybe win some of these fans over who may have strongly disliked him for what he's done against the Broncos in the past. If anything, as Chiefs fans, now again, after the outrage, Jamal Charles did release a more formal statement thanking the Chiefs and the fans. But I think as Chiefs fans, we've got to be happy for Jamal Charles. If the Denver Broncos go on to win a Super Bowl, yeah, sure, it would suck and Chiefs fans would hate it, of course. But at the end of the day, I'd be happy for Jamal Charles. I really would because this guy gave his heart and soul to this franchise. In 2009, when Larry Johnson was let go, who filled in? It was Jamal Charles. And a lot of people had questions as to whether or not he'd be a guy that could rise to the occasion. Jamal Charles was the only glimpse of positive positivity you had that season he had that huge game against the Pittsburgh Steelers when the Chiefs pull off the big upset beat the Steelers in overtime the the defending champions at the time and they landed on the front page of USA Today the next day 
And then he later on went on to have that 256-yard game against the Broncos. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the same game that knocked out knocked off the Broncos from playoff contention in Week 17. Now, unfortunately, when Charles was hurt in 2011, the Chiefs kind of did expand. They had that big win over the Green Bay Packers, which I mentioned earlier when I had the Kyle Orton comparison. And also, uh, I, t- I, I the playoff win from last year, or the, the previous year. The Chiefs did it without Jamal Charles. They won 11 straight games without Jamal. Now, I have credited that to the Chiefs kind of forcing themselves to expand a little bit offensively, which, again, I don't need to get into that. Uh, we've talked about that in the past, but my point here is, unfortunately, there have been cases where the Chiefs have found success without Jamal Charles, uh, because if there's anyone who really does, and generally I don't feel bad for players when they miss out on on a big event. But man, Jamal Charles, like I said, this guy put his heart and soul on the line for Chiefs fans. This guy did everything. He he went from being the backup to Larry Johnson and giving us something to look forward to in that four-win season in 2009. And then the following year, he's second in the NFL in rushing yards He led the AFC in rushing, yet he was 15 carries behind Thomas Jones. And with all due respect to Thomas Jones, who had an illustrious career, that just was not a good year for Thomas Jones, and no way he should have been the leading rusher on the team, as far as carries go. The biggest thing to keep in mind, he said he was willing to take a pay cut. And for the Chiefs to not keep him, I think he has every right to... Maybe have a little bit of a vendetta against Kansas City. If if I'm a if I'm not a Chiefs fan, if I have no in if I have no emotional attachments, positive or negative, to the AFC West, if I was a Jets fan, let's say, and I'm looking at this, I would say, look, Jamal Charles has a reason to try to spite the Chiefs anytime these two teams meet. And I certainly hope he does not get booed because I remember Dexter McCluster got booed when he returned as a member of the Titans. And I just don't think you boo Dexter McCluster, of all people, one of the nicest guys I have ever come uh, come across in public. And in the locker room, too, of course, but publicly, I ran into him at the Kanye West concert once, and he was nice to everybody. I mean, that guy took time to take pictures and sign autographs with every single person who walked up to him. I remember uh, I was not there, but I had seen tweets about how he did the exact same thing at a WWE event at the Sprint Center. I've seen him at KU games. I didn't bother him because I would met him before. I was I, I, I said, hey, why not let other people meet him who have never met him before? Same exact story. Nice to every single person that ran up to him and approached him at uh, Allen Fieldhouse for a KU basketball game. And then he gets booed by Chiefs fans out of Arrowhead. And I thought that was really one of the worst things Chiefs fans could have done. Now, listen, I love Chiefs fans, but I just don't think you boo a guy who was one of the nicest players uh, that the Chiefs have had in recent history. And I would would certainly add Jamal Charles to that category as well. And, And someone who also wanted to stay in Kansas City. He did not have intentions of wanting to join another team. He wanted to stay in Kansas City, but uh, the Chiefs didn't feel that way. And I definitely don't want to tell fans how they should feel or what they should do, but gosh, I've, I've got to do it this time. 
Don't boo Jamal Charles when he comes back. If he comes back, if he gets a carry, yeah, sure. Uh, maybe a, a short applause for him, of course. I, I remember the Chiefs, uh, Chiefs fans did something similar for Jared Allen. Uh, and, of course, you know, no one could have faulted Jared Allen for the situation he was in under that regime. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, he got his first sack on Matt Castle or whoever the quarterback was. I think Castle was in I can't remember at the time. Uh, but he sacked Castle, and then on the, on the next play, that's when people booed him when he sacked Castle again. So uh, if Jamal Charles scores a touchdown and then kind of rubs it in, okay, yeah, sure, boo him. I, I, I think that's where you kind of cross the line there. But, man, don't boo a guy who uh, gave everything to this franchise and was kind to every single Chiefs fan along the way. I just don't think you do that. Now, speaking of a Chiefs player that fans aren't very fond of, or at least weren't, Larry Johnson broke his silence. He's been on social media, doesn't have a strong following. Uh, He's kind of, he really did have the most dominant two years we have seen among very few running backs that have been able to do what he did in a two-year time span and then just kind of went away and eventually just faded completely away from the NFL. He broke his silence and did an interview with Bob Fesco on 610 Sports Radio, uh, which uh, I, I talked about this on social media, and I, I don't want to give the whole the entire interview, but basically the gist of it, Larry Johnson knew that he screwed up. And he has done a lot to try to fix what he's done. Now, yes, he, he did end up getting in trouble a couple of times after his career, but I think he mentioned something to the effect of how it made him realize when he almost lost his daughter, it made him realize that he's got to stop doing what he's doing and he's got to get his act together. This is a guy in Kansas City who did a lot of wrong things. The The rumors about him and how he interacted with his teammates in the locker room, I remember I'd watch him in warm-ups before games or even before practices. Everyone's doing the stretches and he's just standing there. He's not participating with the rest of the team. And then there he is, outside of the field, getting into trouble, doing the things that he had did with domestic violence and whatnot. And at some point in in his life, I'm guessing this happened within the last three or four years, he basically said, look, I have screwed up so much, enough is enough. Now, yeah, there are times where people, they they need a second chance, and, and some people maybe need more, way more than that. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but... You know, it's better to be late than never to try to fix all the wrongs in your life. And listen, as Chiefs fans, I've got to be honest. I've had a completely different opinion about this since Tyreek Hill was drafted, but I was pretty upset at the whole Tyreek Hill situation. I, I was not sure why the Chiefs drafted a guy like that, and I know a lot of people felt the same way. Then guess what? Everyone learned... I mentioned this to people. I said, look, what if this ends up happening to Tyree Kill, which ended up happening, by the way. What happened when Tyree Kill started playing well? People decided to forgive him, and it was simply due to him succeeding on the field. Is that really a right reason to root for someone? I don't know. But listen, keep in mind who the head coach of of the Chiefs is. It's Andy Reid. This is the same guy who gave Michael Vick a chance. This is the same guy who gave Marcus Peters a chance. The same guy who is giving now 
Tyreek Hill a chance, and a lot of people thought maybe Joe Mixon could have been added onto that list. I think at the end of the, the day, we've got to keep in mind that, yeah, sure, there are some wrongdoings that some of these players have done in their past, but listen, I, I think we've got to keep in mind, too, that we've made mistakes, too. Now, some of our mistakes may not be as similar to what some of these guys did, and I'm referring to Peters, Vic, Hill, Larry Johnson, but I think sometimes we just get way too critical when we see guys make mistakes and we we come off like we're so perfect and that we've never done anything like this. Listen, I've never I, I've never laid my hands on anyone before. I've never had a DUI before. I've, I've never I've never gotten into major trouble before. But I have done some stupid things in my life where I look back and I, I regret. And looking back, if I could do things over again, I would certainly not not do some of those things. I think a lot of you would agree with that for yourselves. So, and again, I understand we're comparing some low-key mistakes versus pretty pretty big ones. But at the end of the day, we're not perfect as a society. If we see guys like Mike Vick, and again, how many times has Vick gotten in trouble since returning to the NFL? Or he's retired, but in his return, he hasn't. What has Tyreek Hill done? He hasn't gotten in trouble since his incident. Marcus Peters, same thing goes for him. Now, Larry Johnson, I know he still got in trouble a few times afterwards, but at least he got it. He's got it now, and he's at a point now where hopefully he's uh, he's learned all of his mistakes in the past, and he's learning not to do it again. And I know he mentioned in that interview that he's trying to teach his daughters, or, or his daughter, I, I believe he only has one, but I believe he's, he's teaching her you know, to not do those things. I don't think he's necessarily open up about everything, because maybe his kid may not be able to comprehend all of what he did. But at some point, I, I think he, he mentioned that he would reveal that and try to make sure that uh, his daughter or anyone else that he tries to work with doesn't make the same mistakes that he made. And good for him for doing that. I think we've got to be very careful again sometimes when we criticize people because I see people on social media when they attack someone and they tag them on Twitter and they tell them that they should go die or eat bleach, which is just horrible to say to, to another person. Look at Look in the mirror. I mean, what have you done in your past? Certainly, you can't be proud of of, of everything that you have done. Certainly, there are things you have done uh, that you you'd be ashamed of if it was mentioned publicly. So, uh, I, I know some of the things again. I I've done stupid things as a kid. A lot of people have. A lot of people have when they were younger, and then they learn from it when they grow. I mean, that that's life. You make stupid choices, and you learn from it. So again, uh, it's it's one of those things where we've got to keep in mind. What if? The, and I know this is a, uh, the case, kind of the case. Or I guess maybe excuse would be the right word. The excuses that were made for Mike Vick, where the upbringing in his life, how he learned life growing up, he learned the wrongdoings and he never learned the right things. The wrongdoings that he was taught, he thought was right. So. I think that's something we got to take into consideration too. There, unfortunately, we do live in a society where there are kids that are in bad living situations and they learn 
wrong things because they think that is the right way to do things when it's absolutely not. And I don't know if that was the case with Larry Johnson or not. I don't think we know that side of it. Knowing his dad and everything that, that he had done, maybe not the case. But again, you can't say you know that for a fact because we don't know these people personally. So I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying that could be a possibility. Uh, and again, I know what people are going to say about Larry Johnson's dad and everything that he had accomplished. But keep in mind that we we still don't know these people on a personal level either. That's another thing to consider. But again, better to be late than never. And I'm happy to hear that Larry Johnson is doing a lot better in his life now than he was a few years ago. All right, final story I want to get into before we wrap up the show. Uh, Perfect Pulp Focus, which th- does a tremendous job with not just statistics, but going into the numbers and what they really mean and where do these numbers come from? Who do they occur against? Because, listen, stats are one thing, but how you do with your stats in late-game situations, if it's garbage time or if it's in the clutch or if you're doing it against a good football team, good players, that's what Pro Football Focus does. They really go deep into some of these statistics and put a story together with the success that some of these players have. And they talked about Marcus Peters, who I think is still learning the cornerback position in the NFL, but he was really come a long way. His first year in the NFL, co-led the NFL in the interceptions. His second year, one of the better cover corners in the NFL. Was not very good when it came to coverage his first year. Allowed a ton of yards. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, the second most yards in the NFL and also the most touchdowns he allowed in the NFL. But pro football focus... Looked at some of the top-graded wide receivers that he went up against and put together all of these stats. Now, Marcus Peters, keep in mind, he played in every game except for the loss to the Buccaneers. So he played all six AFC West Divisional games. And the Pro Football Focus article here, it took the top six Wide receivers outside of Kansas City in the AFC West, which the other six wide receivers who Peters had gone up against, Emmanuel Sanders, Amari Cooper, Demarius Thomas, Tyrell Williams, Dontrell Inman, and Michael Crabtree. So those six wide receivers, here are the numbers that Peters had against those six wide receivers. Peters was targeted 19 times, or at least the wide receivers he was defending targeted 19 times. Only allowed nine receptions for 50 yards, which is a 47.4 completion percent, almost a 50% completion percentage. No touchdowns allowed, two picks, and anytime quarterbacks threw at Marcus Peters' direction, quarterbacks combined have a 14.5 passer rating. And overall, the grade that Marcus Peters received in 85.1, which is best for 10th in the NFL. So this is a guy, and I, and here's the other thing, that you've got to give a lot of credit to the front seven. I've said this for years now with the Chiefs because one of the things that the Chiefs have always had a lot to be fortunate about, the running back position and also their front seven. They always have had a great front seven. Jared Allen brought it for a long time in Kansas City. Then Jared Allen and Tom Bahali teamed up together for a little bit. Then it became Tom Bahali 
by himself. Then Justin Houston came along, and now you see D4 playing a big factor in Kansas City's success. Dontari Poe also had a big hand in that as well, but unfortunately moved on to Atlanta. And defensive backs have found a lot of success because of Kansas City's front seven and the pass rush that they've provided. And I think a big reason for Marcus Peters' success is the pass rush. Same with Eric Berry. Uh, but look, the, these go hand-in-hand hand together. That's that's what a defense needs to do. They need to apply pressure to help those defensive backs come away with ill-advised passes. And Marcus Peters was able to do that quite a lot. He's done that quite a lot in his very short career in the NFL. He's been one of the more dominant cornerbacks uh, against wide receivers. And his interception numbers... Pretty damn crazy. Eight his first year, six his second year. Uh, After the first three weeks of the season, Peters had 12 career interceptions already. And I remember hearing on Fox Sports Radio that his 12 career interceptions in the, what is it, 19 regular season games that he had played at the time was more than four NFL defenses combined in in the 19-game time span that 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 was provided now this is something that we would have to spend a lot of time researching but i did this quickly before the show his 16 interceptions just alone marcus peters 16 interceptions in two years same amount as the jacksonville jaguars defense the past two years the jaguars defense the past two years they had nine interceptions in 2015 and then seven last season this past season so they had they have had 16 interceptions combined in the last 2 years. The same amount as Marcus Peters. And I think that really says something about about a player like Marcus Peters who who hasn't been in the NFL that long and look uh, I know generally is some some players they they do well more so early in their career but late, than late in their career but for some reason you you do see a lot of defensive backs who tend to have very long careers in the NFL. Look at Charles Woodson and how long he had played in the NFL before he hung up his cleats. So if Marcus Peters continues to play at this level, continues to have this high of a success rate, and if he does have a long career like Charles Woodson, oh boy, watch out. This is a guy who's going to have a lot of interceptions in his career. And if you do the simple math, he averages seven interceptions a year. If he has an 18-year career, if he lasts 18-year in the NFL like Woodson, he would have more than 100 interceptions in his career. Now look, even some of the best players have down years, so that's not realistic. And keep in mind, I'm not saying it's impossible, but no one's ever had more than... 100 interceptions in a, the most is by Paul Kraus with 81 but let's say he has at least a 10-year career I think that's certainly a realistic ex- expectation and again he's averaging seven interceptions per year or eight interceptions per year so if he has that he'll have somewhere around 80 picks in his career which would easily put him in the top five now again he could have a down year one season, and then the next year he might have a, a ridiculous year where he's just getting an interception almost every single game. Who knows? Uh, it, it, two years is not a long; it, it's a very short time span. But 
uh, it, it still gives us a good idea as to how he'll do the rest of the, his career. Now, he could be a lockdown corner and, and still not be getting a lot of interceptions. But my point here is, looking at the numbers, if he does continue to play at this high of a level, he could possibly challenge Kraus for the spot for most interceptions in a career in NFL history. And you look at the numbers and everything he has done so far and how much he's really improved in his second year. People all only like to look at the numbers, but there are some numbers that aren't public out there that only Pro Football Focus has, which eventually are going to be available for free at some point. Uh, it's disappointing that NFL.com and ESPN.com don't have these numbers, but trust me, eventually they'll get to that point. But when you look at Marcus Peters and the success he's had, yeah, sure, two fewer interceptions, but allowed way fewer yards and way fewer touchdowns in his sophomore season in the NFL. I'll gladly take that kind of success from a cornerback any day. Yeah, his first year, sure, the eight picks was great, but also the eight touchdowns he allowed... Oh, wasn't really good either. Now, did it hurt the Chiefs in the long run? For a little bit, it did. The one and five starts, certainly not good. But as time went on, the Chiefs got better. The schedule got easier, and that helped Marcus Peters kind of uh, look for a turning point, learn against some of these easier teams that the Chiefs went up against. And then in his second year, when the Chiefs had a more difficult schedule, he did a much better job going up against some of the challenging... Listen, um, the, these wide receivers that he faces twice a year, those guys are no pushovers. I mean, those are some really damn good wide receivers in the NFL. Those guys aren't easy to cover, and the quarterback position is not an easy position whatsoever to play. You have to be able to keep up with these wide receivers. You don't know what route they're going to run. You don't know which direction they're going to go, and... You have to just be on your toes the entire time and be ready when they make a turn. You can make a turn just as quick as they do and not get torched. It had happened to him a couple of times this year. But again, people, by the way, don't really know the definition of a lockdown corner. People think that if you're a lockdown corner, you pretty much don't get burned at all. It happens occasionally. Chris Harris has been torched a couple of times. Uh, Richard Sherman... He's been he's been burned a couple of times this year. So there are players out there, yes, as great as they are, even they kind of mess up a couple of plays a year where, where one wrong move and they allow a big play. It happens occasionally. And Marcus Peters, he went from being a ball hawk and in his second year to a lockdown corner. And if you can put those two together, if you can come up with those interceptions and shut down wide receivers, you're going to be very successful Excuse me, throughout your career. Now, it also comes with a territory in which quarterbacks are going to be scared to throw in your direction, so you're not, you're not going to have as many interceptions because you're not going to have as many opportunities if quarterbacks are shying away from your direction. That was the case with Richard Sherman after the year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, quarterbacks didn't even think about throwing at his direction. And I think Richard Sherman went almost half the year, if I'm not mistaken, without an interception because he wasn't targeted once. And I could see Marcus Peters kind of following that path. Some of these guys that you see on this list, like Paul Krause, Tunnel, Rod Woodson, Dick Lane, Charles Woodson, Ed Reed. 
Pro Football Focus was not available when these guys were around. These crazy stats that we have today, they weren't around when these players were playing. And had they been available, I think even you would see their numbers diminish. So, yes, I am putting a slight bit of doubt that if nowadays with the information that we have because of technology and whatnot and game film, because of all of that being available, maybe there's a chance that Marcus Peters might not be able to have that that high number of interceptions in his career because of the informa- the information we have and what we know about Peters and the success the scary success he's had his first two years is that a bad thing that's actually a tr- that's actually a great thing just because a guy's not getting interceptions doesn't mean he's bad just because i mean and i think we kind of get get mixed up with wide receivers and running backs if if a wide receiver or a running back has a ton of rushing yards or receiving yards but only a couple of touchdowns and listen i understand touchdowns are the bigger and more important numbers out there that doesn't mean they're bad they're still getting a lot of yards which means they're helping the offense move the chains move the football and get closer to the end zone at least it's just the team targets a different player more times than not when it comes to trying to push the football into the end zone and it could be the same the other way around. Maybe there's a pl- there are players out there. And look, there are stats out there. They're easy to find on ESPN and NFL.com. If you just look and categorize it by yards and by touchdowns, you'll see a few players where their touchdowns and yard numbers don't necessarily correlate well together. There are probably players out there that don't necessarily have the flashy yards on the stat sheet, but they have a lot of touchdowns and they're helping their team score. Because they're better ends on threats than they are vertical threats, or, or better for lo- than long rushing threats. So how do, how do we look at this? If if I had to put down money right now, if I had to put down money and say, do I think he ends up in the top ten? I still think he does because I don't think in the NFL, and I know this happened to Richard Sherman as I mentioned, but I don't think in the NFL you can really go an entire game and just not throw to your number one receiver just because there's a lockdown corner right in front of him. I just don't think quarterbacks can really make that risk. Quarterbacks have to go out there and risk it. And I think at that point, Marcus Peters will have enough to try to come away with the pick. The other thing to keep in mind, because of Kansas City's front seven, you have those ill-advised throws. So, and again, I, I can't say I'm familiar fully with the defenses that some of these guys played with that are on the top 20 list on ESPN's website. But with what Kansas City has, and I think what you're going to have for a long time with Justin Houston and D Ford, you're going to see quarterbacks get chased around by these guys and because testosterone level goes up and because they're human, they're just going to throw the, court, the, the football at, at the closest wide receiver they can find. And if Marcus Peters is in the way, guess what? He's getting that ill-advised pick, so that'll help his chances go up. So given both sides of the story that I'm bringing up here and, and I've read on this article, I think at the end of the day, Marcus Peters is going to be, at the very least, in the top 10. I think looking at it, Dave Brown and Dick LeBeau, they're tied for 62 interceptions. That's tied for 10th best in NFL history. I think he'll certainly get more than 60 interceptions and he'll get into the top 10 in his career, which I think is going to be great uh, because the Chiefs, they've had some successful 
defensive backs in the past. Johnny Robinson uh, and Emmett Thomas, they're both on this list. And there have, have been a few great players who have done a lot for the Chiefs in the secondary. Deron Cherry, Albert Lewis, Bobby Hunt, Greg Wesley, Kevin Ross, Barbero also worth noting in there. Uh, I mean, there have been a lot of guys who have had, the Chiefs have had some very good defensive backs over the years. And, uh, of course, you've got a, a pro football Hall of Famer in Emmett Thomas, which I haven't even mentioned this part yet. Emmett Thomas is Marcus Peters' position coach, which is the best part about all of this. So, Peters is learning from one of the best in NFL history. And I think that is what will help him in the long run find his success and eventually crack the top 10 for most interceptions in a career and hope and I think at the end of the day yeah sure I know the quarterback position is always going to be the more dominant reason as to why you have success in championships but a, your defense still plays a big hand in this and the Chiefs have a dominant defense the Chiefs have a Super Bowl caliber defense for sure and Marcus Peters has a big hand in that I think his success will translate into the Chiefs one day trying to go for a championship run one of these days and I think it happens sometime in the near future rather than later. What do you guys think about all of this? Do you think Marcus Peters can crack the top 10 for most interceptions in a single career? And do you think that it can play a big hand into the Chiefs trans, uh, trying to get a Super Bowl opportunity, a go for a championship run at some point? Let me know your thoughts on this. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com. Slash Farzine21. Tweet me at Farzine21. Give my Facebook page a like. Do you guys think Marcus Peters gets to that career? Or do you think with nowadays what we know with all these statistics and all the technology, game film, everything that's available out there. Do you think quarterbacks are just going to shy away from players like Marcus Peters more now? Especially with what we know and the success he's had his first two years. Let me know what you guys think on social media. If you're not on social media, get on well. I don't know if I should say get on it. I have a love-hate relationship with social media. If you're not on there, I think you should be. I think it can be used in a positive way, but gosh, uh, there are some uh, crazy people out there on uh, social media. I really wish there was like an IQ test that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram would force you to take before you sign up for an account, and you have to like get a certain percentage if you're allowed an account, and, and if you don't pass, you, you're just rejecting an account. But, of course, nowadays with money uh, being a big drive nowadays, I don't think you get that. But if you want to get on social media, and if you're not, if you're not following me for whatever reason, again, it's Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian and at, on Twitter at Farzine21. Let's go around the NFL. All right, ever since the draft grades have come out, a lot of fans fed up with some of the grades that their team received. Listen, uh, I, I don't really know the point of a draft grade because, again, look at the highlights. Whenever ESPN and NFL Network show highlights of a player, they only show the positive things. Now, if you do your research, if you and it's very simple to do, it's on NFL.com and on several other scouting websites. They show positives and weaknesses uh, on, a, on a sheet, but you don't get the visual evidence of all of these. So, really, to me, my biggest advice, and this is not just that, but now power rankings are in full force, uh, predictions are out, and 
fans get so worked up over grades and power rankings. And gosh, I've got to say, I, I tweeted this shortly after the draft. Fans just need to relax. There's no reason to get worked up over off-season rankings. Listen, all 32 teams right now are 0-0 for 2017. Doesn't matter. And look, we do know the teams that will likely succeed and compete for a playoff spot. And we know which teams, more likely than not, will not compete for a playoff spot. Listen, we can all still be real with ourselves. But let's not get so worked up over predictions. I know the Kansas City Royals, there were tons of predictions out there that they were not going to do very well. And only, I think out of the 100 or so national experts, only four predicted that the Royals would make it to the playoffs. They, I know they've been a little hot lately, but they have the worst record in the American League right now. Listen, when people are making predictions, they, they know what they're talking about. Now, do they miss a couple of times? Of course, everybody does. There's always that hot dark horse team that, that comes through that not many people saw coming. And there's always that top team that everyone has high expectations for and they fall. Listen, don't get so worked up with off-season rankings. They're just off-season rankings. And even in-season rankings, those are nothing to get worked up. Let me just say this. There are people out there intentionally that will alter some of these rankings just to get some conversations going. So again, I don't know why people get worked up over it. It's nothing new. They do it intentionally for views and conversations. One thing that people are getting worked up over is Colin Kaepernick still not with an NFL team. All right. Let me just say this. His his stats numbers, no, they're not bad. But his win-loss percentage the past couple of years in the NFL, not very good. Uh, when I was on vacation, I was reading USA Today. And yes, I know, shocker. When I'm on vacation, for five seconds I want to touch on this. I still like to read the news. I, people just like to stay completely away from the news. I just can't do that. I, I still have to know what's going on in the world, even while I'm on vacation. But anyway, I'm reading the newspaper, and there's a there's a column by a female writer for USA Today who is writing about how there are players that have been charged with domestic violence, and they have jobs in the NFL. You had Colin Kaepernick. All he did was kneel during the National Anthem, and he's not getting a job because of that. And... People are talking about how he's involved with charities and donations and he's doing such great things out there. Look, doing positive things in society is not going to get you a job in the NFL. It's just not. Now, I do agree. Those domestic violence charges are 100 times worse than kneeling for the national anthem. There's no harm being done physically when someone's kneeling or refusing to stand for for your country's anthem however i'm just gonna say this right now teams don't want him they just don't i I, there there's really like no magic like you cannot force it anymore teams just don't want colin kaepernick they just don't this is like that girl that really hot girl in high school who you know every single guy has got an eye on her every single guy wants to go out with her and you you approach her you ask her out on a date she says no. She, she she just doesn't want to go out with you. And you want to keep... You, you, you can't force it. You can't go up to her and keep trying and trying and trying to ask her out. Because then you're, at some point you're just trying to force something that, that, that can't be done. You can't force these teams to be interested in Colin Kaepernick. They're just not interested. I just don't know what else to say. Teams, for whatever reason, don't want him. Just got to move on with it.
Let's go out of bounds. All right, Charlie Weiss was in the news. The same Charlie Weiss who had that big success with the New England Patriots winning three Super Bowls also was briefly the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Had a controversial exit because of his inability to get along with Todd Haley in that final playoff game, uh, the final game the Chiefs had against the Ravens. Also, his time with the Kansas Jayhawks was a head coach for the Jayhawks and just never could get anything going when he was the head coach there. He made the news because... Uh, I saw this on NFL.com when they talked about it. The final payment was made to Charlie Weiss, which I had no idea he was still getting paid by Notre Dame. And he got fired by Notre Dame after the 2009 season. We are in May of 2017. And guess how much he made? Close to $19 million. The exact dollar amount, $18,967,960 for a coach who has not coached there in, what, six and a half to seven years? He got paid. And he was with the Florida Gators for one year. He was with the Chiefs. He was with the Jayhawks. And in all the times that he was with all these programs, he was making a lot of money. He was making two and a half million dollars a year with the Jayhawks. One of the highest paid coaches in college football and could barely get a win with KU. Only had, if I'm not mistaken, two conference wins with the Jayhawks. Boy, $19 million to not even coach a team. This is why college programs and NFL teams too and other sports teams, you've got to be very careful with guaranteed contracts because if someone doesn't do well If they don't live up to your expectations and you've already committed to them, you've got to be able to pay them out the rest of the way because you signed that contract. And that is just a really bad situation to be a part of. I remember the Kansas Jayhawks during Charlie Weiss's first year, which was 2012, KU was paying three head coaches. They were paying Charlie Weiss, of course. They were also paying Turner Gill and Mark Mangino. Gosh, man, I've got to tell you, sports, it's a fun thing, but when it comes to the dollar amounts and the people involved in negotiations, that's the worst part, especially in a case like KU when they paid three head coaches and Notre Dame when they're still paying a guy who hasn't even been around with the program for six years. And by the way, he made almost $19 million. Boy, that's crazy. That's got to be the coolest job ever, isn't it? To get paid $19 million to do nothing. Why can't I get paid $19 million to do nothing? Boy, that's got to be a sweet job. Probably the coolest job out there. Just go on vacation. Play golf. Go swimming. Go to Mexico. Enjoy your life. I'm sure I'm sure ESPN may have an article like this somewhere out there. Maybe a website like Forbes. But I'd love to know like sports jobs where people just did not succeed at all and got paid tons of money for it and i and i'm sure forbes has some sort some article out there where there are people who barely do anything and i'm not talking like a president or a ceo i'm talking people who have like a a fairly big job where they got let go but we're still making tons of money i'm sure there's got to be an article like that out there i'd love to look it up and see 
how much money people made for essentially doing nothing. Like Charlie Weiss, $19 million in six... Oh, man, that's a lot of money. It, listen, at least I hope he, like, donates that money to charity or, or I don't know, something. I mean, have save it for his two kids and then his grandkids and then his great-grandkids. I don't know, maybe pay the universities back, like KU and Notre Dame. Like, like pay for a couple of kids their tuition or something. I, I think you owe it to those universities for how bad you the football programs were. Come on. Do something good with the money, at least, and then keep the rest for yourself and enjoy it. $19 million is a lot, man. I don't know what i do. I feel like I would just give, like, a good portion of it to charity and then save the rest for myself, my family, and then my kids grandkids and so on uh, I, I just don't know what one individual can really do with all that money in six years I really don't but good for Charlie Weiss man he uh, he uh, earned it whether you want to agree or not he he signed the contract and uh, earned himself that great cash let's throw some penalty flags All right, if you have been following the Royals, uh, they had a crazy game on Sunday uh, against the Baltimore Orioles, the team with the best record in the AL, and the Royals swept. So a little bit of sign of hope for the Royals that they could maybe rebound uh, moving forward. But Manny Machado the for, for the for the Orioles, I think it was Alcides Escobar who laid down a bunt, and there were runners on first and second, and Machado quickly gets to the baseball, which is pretty good. So there's an opportunity to throw out one of the base runners that are trying to get into scoring position. So he throws the baseball to second base, and it looks like Drew Butera is for sure going to be out. There's one problem. There was nobody on second base, and that allowed... I, I forgot who advanced to third and eventually went home, but that eventually allowed some the, the Royals to get a, a, pretty much a cheap run right there because Machado threw to second base when nobody was there. It basically rolled into the center fielder. Uh, man, those are mistakes college baseball teams make. There was a college baseball game at, at Coffin Stadium a, a couple of weeks ago. It was Arkansas and Kansas State, and Kansas State went for a double play. The second baseman or the shortstop, whoever was there, throws to first base. Nobody was at first base. Those are mistakes college teams make, high school teams make. You can't be doing that in the major leagues. I doubt even players in the minor leagues make that kind of mistake. Come on. All right, uh, if you're on Apple's website or if you go to the Apple store and you want to purchase something, a laptop or a phone, obviously these things come in different colors. Uh, They have uh, something called Space Gray, which is silver. They have something called... They have two different kinds of black. One of them is just black and the other one is jet black, which I'm telling you right now, somebody at the Apple store was trying to show me black and jet black, and I swear to you, there's no difference in this. They also have something called rose gold, which is pink. For God's sake, just call them black. Just call them pink. Call them silver. What is space gray? I have never heard of space gray in my life. I have never heard of rose gold ever. Hey, look at those rose gold flowers over there. Just call them pink. Just call them pink. Look at that space gray car this man is driving. It's silver. 
just say silver. Just say black. Nobody is going to refer. I remember, uh, and I'm saying this because I've recently purchased a laptop. I also got a an iPad for my brother's birthday a couple of months ago. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was getting a new iPhone, and I was asking the uh, the Apple Store uh, salesperson. I said, "What colors do they come in?" Because they change them every year. They always come out with new colors. And she told me, I can't. I, I think she said space gray. Uh, and rose gold, and I'm. I looked at her with a blank face. I said, "I don't know what those colors are. I don't know what rose gold means." When I think of gold, uh, what I think of a rose, I think red, and then gold. I think gold, of course. I don't think uh, the color pink. <sighs> just, just call them by their generic colors. Do they get sued if they do that? I don't know. I'm trying to think of a logical reason as to why they do that. I don't know. Who knows? Speaking of logic, there are people who just don't have common sense or logic when they are traveling. For example, there there is that person who has to loudly say hello when they answer their phone and start having the conversation very loudly. Like people across the hallway can hear you, you on the phone. Now look, it, obviously you have to be able to talk on the phone so the other person can hear you. So if your next door neighbor hears you on the phone, okay, look, I, that's understandable. You have to at least have somewhat of a voice to communicate. But man, people who are just talking so loudly that someone else from the other side of the room who can hear them at the gate, just waiting for their plane to arrive, can hear them. Come on, I hate that. You know what I also hate? This happened on my flight back from Vegas, and I I hope I don't offend anybody with this. I know this is a sensitive subject for a lot of people out there. Listen, I used to be overweight. I get it. But I I was sitting on my plane, and I had the middle seat. And a very obese gentleman comes by and asks, is this seat taken? The the, seat, the aisle seat that was empty. And I said, no. And I didn't say that very happily. Because he sat down. I was actually sitting next to the same gentleman at the gate. so And I was not very comfortable. I, I, and the seats were already full and I didn't want to stand at all. But the guy sat next to me and his arms are in my my space, my seat. And it's just, the, the, I, I listen, I, I don't care if you're too big. Do not make me uncomfortable. If you need to be comfortable because you're big, it's not going to come at my expense. I'm sorry. It's just not. So I looked at the guy and it, it was kind of a few, he, he was pretending like he wasn't doing it, but he knew what he was doing. So he turned and looked at me and I said, sir, your elbows are touching me. Like, please, for the love of God. Get your hands off me. Do not ca- have contact with me. I want to sleep. And he he was pretty angry when I said that. And look, again, I'm sorry. but And again, I know this is a sensitive subject for people, but I don't care if you're overweight or obese. Do not make me uncomfortable. I'm not letting someone be comfortable at my expense. And no one should. No one should. This uh, f- uh, past weekend when I was coming home, Somebody was spreading their legs and almost pretty much invading my space. And listen, I, I'm very generous and, and considerate on planes, especially because, you know, the armrests, you have to share the armrests and all. But man, uh, 
people who are just spreading their legs. And I actually turned to the guy. I said, "Sir, you're you're." He had a huge bag under his seat, uh, <laughs> and he was trying to put his legs under my my seat, the the seat in front of me, actually. But you guys, you know what I'm trying to say. I turned to him. I said, "Look, you're." Covering up my space, I'm not comfortable right now because you're covering my space and he was angry about it. And he wasn't a very big guy either. It's just he had a big bag under. There was also a guy who I've had in the past that uh, he had like a really big book. Like think of the yearbooks that you received in school and add double the amount to the size. That's just when it's closed. When you open the book, it's just covering up his entire seat and it's coming into my seat. I just turned and looked at, t- at the guy. This is a couple of years ago, but I said, "Man, that's a huge book," and that's pretty much translation for "shut the book, dude," because I don't want it in my in my space. Like, it, there's got to be travel etiquette that a lot of people don't have. By the way, to the guy who was sitting next to me, which I doubt he's listening, he was sniffling the entire time. That's why I did not do a podcast last week. I said I would get one one out last week, and I didn't. I apologize. I got sick because the guy next to me was sniffling the entire time. So when I did get better, I only had time to do one podcast, and that was the Cage Zone. So I do apologize for not getting a a Chiefs Zone podcast out last week. I had a guy sniffling next to me on my way home, and uh, those are always a lot of fun. Said no one ever. Uh, So I do apologize for not getting a Chiefs Zone podcast out last week. I do want to comment. I don't know what the hell is going on with airlines. I know United was like, they were like the devil. They were the worst group of people in the world. Even though it was just a couple of security employees, the entire airline was pretty much the devil. And now you have fights happening. You have, uh, there was a family that was recently kicked out because their two-year-old was, they had a, a seat that the parents paid for. But they were asked to have him be on the lap, and the family refused because there was another person. They oversold the flight, which I don't know why this happens. You rarely see this at sporting events, and they have thousands of seats. But anyway, uh, I, I read this while on vacation, and the day after when I got home, I read three stories about articles in which there were issues on planes, including one Kansas City woman who needed to use the restroom right before the flight could take off. And I, 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 I didn't know this, but I guess some... Flight attendants do not allow people to use the restroom. I saw people using the restroom in the flights that I was on last week be- before uh, the flight would take off. But I guess some flight attendants are strict about this and don't allow this. And the flight attendant gave her a cup and said, here, use this in your seat. Which, gosh, I've got I to say, that's a pretty bold thing to do. But let me also say this. Can't you use it at the airport before you get on? Unless you're in a complete hurry, which I can understand, but... Uh, there have been fights happening with uh, customers on Spirit because pilots are refusing to fly. There was a huge brawl on Southwest. Uh, man, American Airlines had an incident of some sort. Pretty much every single airline out there, they've had something happen. So pretty much, oh, uh, JetBlue recently, they kicked a family off because they brought a birthday cake to the flight. Like that, it's gone to that level now. So pretty much any any airline out there that has that that exists, something has happened. So United, do not feel bad. Like United was the trendsetter, I guess. 
So people who said that they're not going to fly with United because of what they've done, uh, I guess essentially, if we're going to live by those standards, that means you're not going to fly on any airline at this rate. You're just not. Might as well drive from L.A. to New York or wherever you're trying to go because every airline has pretty much done something to piss off somebody. That'll do it for this edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed this very long episode. Uh, these episodes always end up being longer than I expected. I always think they're tedious, but I hear I get a lot of positive feedback. People like longer podcasts. I I know the Joe Rogan podcast goes on for a long time, and, and I'm so behind because I don't I, I don't have time to listen to all of those long podcasts, which I do enjoy, by the way. Don't get me wrong, but. I guess people love long podcasts. Uh, I try to keep them short and to the point. Sometimes there are more topics to talk about in some episodes than others. But if you guys enjoy them, I'm happy with that. If you guys like it, if you enjoy it, please do share it on social media. Let a friend know about it. Tell them to subscribe to the podcast, which you can do on iTunes. Also available on Google Play, Stitcher, and other podcasting outlets. You guys can also talk to me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Get my Facebook page a like. Follow me on Twitter, at Farzine21. Tweet at me and talk to me on there. You guys can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'll talk to you guys next week. We'll talk about other Chiefs news that comes to the scene. Talk about OTAs, minicamp, whatever goes on with the Kansas City Chiefs and also other NFL news that is going on. And we will do that next time, next week on the Chiefs on Podcast. Take care.